Thanks for listening to The Real Life Podcast. If you live in the Erie area, we invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or live on Facebook and YouTube by searching Real Life Assembly. Now, here's this week's message. about today. I'm really excited about the message that I have for us, uh, whether you're a woman or not, okay? Okay, so guys, that means you can't check out because I have a message that will be applicable for everybody. I'm looking at you, Mitch, because I just saw your wife grab your leg. That was amazing. Stay awake. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm so excited for the message. Uh, and really this day, when I, when I think about Mother's Day and, and my mom and I in conversations about what can we talk about? You know, there's so many topics uh, that you can discuss on a day like today. And for us, the first thing that comes to mind that's such a great refresher for what Mother's Day can represent is the idea of a legacy, right? This is such a great time, especially if you are a mom. Some of you might have your kids sitting next to you in the row or, or maybe sitting with you uh, on the couch at home. Maybe your kids are here in the room or in the building, uh, maybe in their classrooms. Uh, but what a special day it is to literally look to your left and to your right and to see the legacy. Maybe people who are families that, that have moved apart. You might have family in town. I know that's such a, a, a beautiful a beautiful thing, you know, to have family that, that you don't get to see often and celebrate such a special day. That's your legacy sitting right next to you. Statement has. I don't know if we totally do. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. What is a legacy? Am I living a godly legacy? Am I living a legacy that I can be proud of? These are some things that came to mind when I was preparing for this day. And, and here's the thing. Whether you're a mom or not, this message is for you. Like I said, men, if you're single in the room, if you're married and, and you don't have kids yet, if you're widowed, if you're divorced, whatever the situation is, every, and I want you to hear this, every single one of you is living and actively cultivating a legacy that is going to live on in the people that are in your life now, but more importantly, the people that are to come. That's the power of a legacy. And I want us to really understand that before we talk practical, okay? I'm practical. I like to walk away from conversations or from podcasts or sermons that I listen to with tangible things that I can use or do something with in order to better myself. Hopefully there's somebody in the room that's like that today as well. Thank you, Steph. Okay, I've got one. So that's what today's going to be. We're going to talk about a couple practical things on how we can create a spiritual legacy for the people that are in our life, for our kids maybe, or maybe just for the people that you do life with, that you're impacting, right? So I'm really excited. I do have one request, okay? And, and if you were here when I spoke last time, I'm kind of a lot, and I just ask that you don't get quiet on me this morning, okay? So make sure to stay awake and stay engaged with me, all right? I don't want to hear any of those, like, silent, awkward pauses, Okay? Thank you. We're friends. We do. We talk all the time. So let's have a conversation this morning, okay? But let's talk about some godly ways that we can create a spiritual legacy. So 
If you aren't sure, and I know we just kind of unpacked it a little bit, I'm going to give you the definition, what Webster's Dictionary tells us a legacy is defined as. A legacy is something that is transmitted by or received from an ancestor or a predecessor. Okay, so the legacy that we leave or that we live out is super important. Why? Because chances are we're really not even going to ever see it fully come to fruition while we're alive. So the decisions and the thought process, processes that we go through now as we are growing, as we are experiencing our life, they are going to and actively are making an impact, but not just in the here and now, in the future use to come, whether that be your children or the people that you have direct impact on. And that's a big deal, even more so, each and every one of us are descendants of a legacy. Whose legacy? The legacy that Jesus set out for us thousands and thousands of years ago. That's us. The entire time that Jesus walked the earth, he was teaching and he was leading his disciples on how they should live after he's gone how they should carry out and live, continue to live out the work that he started with them while he was on earth. You're in the room and you might be thinking already or maybe you're watching online and you're thinking, I don't have the spiritual legacy that I think I should have or that you know, society would say I should have. I'm not married, I don't have kids, I am divorced, I'm widowed, I don't have a good relationship with my kids or with my mom. That might be you, but hear me. You are still actively making a legacy and you are so important, you are so valued, even more so if you can hear anything that I say today. You are not any less valuable or less important to God because of your marital or your parental status. That is not what defines you as worthy. Wherever you're at, whatever season you're walking through today, hear that above anything else that we're gonna talk about. You have purpose. You are alive for a reason, and there are people in your circle every single day that you are interacting with, and you are helping the Lord set a course for their future as well. And that's a big deal, and I want to make sure that you are aware of that no matter what season you are in. So I've got three points for us that we're going to talk about, and the first one's going to go on the screen. It's really short. This is number one, how do we live a spiritual legacy? We live and we lead by example. So I'm gonna to talk to the parents quickly as a practical question, and I want a response from this, okay? Because we're, we're awake, we're alive, right? You're with me. Do you want your children to grow up loving and serving the Lord? Okay, hopefully, yes, I love that. That was a great answer. So, <laughs> good answer, good answer. <laughs> Who's ever watched Family Feud? That's what I felt like. <laughs> good answer. Uh, okay, so you want them to live a life of serving the Lord. Of course, who wouldn't want that for their children? My next question is, are you showing them how to do that? Okay, thank you. Are you showing them, are you living a godly life in front of them? 
the single most important legacy as a parent that you can leave is your children serving the Lord, thereby affecting their generation and the ones to follow. The quality of your life in Christ, that's going to be one of the biggest major influences on your children. And there might be so many of you in the room today that are, are here because of that, because of that legacy that maybe your parents have set out for you or a spiritual mother or a spiritual father set out for you. That is the best thing that you can do. So how do we do that? Let's look to scripture because we love the Bible, amen? Let's look at 1 Timothy 4.8. You're gonna see it on the screen. You might even be familiar with it. It says, rather train yourselves for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life, and look at this, and also the life to come, okay? So a couple things stand out to me in this verse. I've been like reciting and, and singing this verse since I was a little kid in vacation Bible school. Train yourself to be godly. I mean, I've heard it literally thousands of times. But it's funny, when I was preparing for the message today, things stood out to me that I've never even noticed or sung before. Isn't it cool how the word of God does that? You can read it dozens and dozens and dozens of times, and yet that next time, it's like, oh my gosh, God, you're revealing something new to me. So there's a couple things that really stand out to me here. First, what is of value? Godliness, above all things. So we want to strive to live a godly life, right? Why? Not just for the now, but for, it says it, the life to come. But how do we do that? What does that even mean, right? You might already be asking yourself, how do I live a godly life? Good news, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> right at the very first line, it says, train yourself. So when I think of training, I think, work, I think repetition, consistency, sacrifice, in anything in life that we do, right? If we want to get good at something, whether it's a skill, maybe we're wanting to lose weight, maybe we're, we're training for a marathon or, or whatever the dynamic might be, you have to train first, right? That doesn't happen immediately. So I don't read this verse in 1 Timothy about training myself to be godly. For while physical training is of some value, godliness holds value above all things. I don't read that and become godly. I'm godly, that's it, that's all it took. No, I, I wish it was that simple. It's not, maybe for some, but for most of us, it's going to require some action behind it. So practically, how do we do that? How do we speak around our children or around maybe people that are non-believers that I have an influence on, okay? Ouch. These are going to be, like I said, practical things for you and for me. This is just as much a message for myself as it is for everybody in the room. So we look at how we talk around people. Am I representing the Lord in the way that I talk? Not even necessarily like the actual words, because I think that's like an easy thing for us to be like, okay, 
uh, if you don't curse, you're going to heaven, or you're, you're whatever. You're not going to heaven if you curse. You are going to heaven as long as you don't. I think we need to be a little bit, I could maybe never say a curse word in my entire life, but I could destroy somebody with my words. So I feel like that, you know, careful, careful, don't get too stiff and think like, no, I can still gossip with my friends, or I can still tear somebody down, but I don't say swear words, so I'm good. No, 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 no. Let's take a step back. Let's look practically at the way that we talk around and to people. Is that pointing people to Christ? It's a little thing, but think about it. We do it every day. Listen, we're human. We're not perfect. I'm not looking for perfection. God's not looking for perfection, but if you can sharpen up if you can be a little bit more aware of the way that you handle yourself in conflict at work, in conflict with your spouse, in conflict with your kids, I know it's not always going to be easy. I hear you. I know this. But little by little, you commit yourself, you train yourself to be godly. You make that decision. It's going to get a little bit easier, a little bit easier, a little bit easier. Just like in anything that we do, Train yourself. Look at all of those character, personality traits within you. Can you see God in every part of who you are as best as you can? That's going to be that godliness that starts to come out in you, and it's going to flow. It's going to flow in the way that you think. It's going to flow in the way that you, you speak to people. It's going to change the atmosphere that you're in. You know that person that walks in a room and just immediately the mood drops? If you didn't nod your head, are you that person? <laughs> I got an honest hand in the back. Wow. <laughs> I love that. But think about that. I mean, really, like these are such little things, but believe it or not, we do have some say in them. We do have some control. The enemy does not have control, for one thing. If you do have that little voice in the back of your head, like I said earlier, that's telling you this is who you are. Life circumstances made you to be like this. Maybe. But that's not what God made for you. That's not the end of the story. Did you read it? That's not how it ends. Live a godly life. That means joy. That means freedom. The fact that we get to live out in the salvation of Jesus Christ, that's a lot to be happy about. That's a lot to celebrate. And listen, I want to say this too. The legacy that you hand down does not have to be the legacy that was handed to you. Okay? So what did we say before? Maybe you are a product of divorce. Maybe you're a product of addiction, of abuse, of anger. There are so many things under that umbrella. I am not discrediting any of that. These things, they can have a massive, massive, massive impact on the way that you function with your family or with your, your group of people in the church world or maybe in the world world. I don't totally know. I try to be in the church world a little bit more. These things can be referred to as generational curses. Who's familiar? Okay, so if you are not familiar, I'm going to tell you. The Gospel Coalition describes a generational curse as this. The cumulative effect on a person of things that their ancestors did, believed, or practiced in the past. Or more simply, and you're going to see this on the screen, it is a consequence of an, act, an ancestor's actions, beliefs, 
and sins being passed down. So when I read that for the first time, I kind of thought of it like this. God bless you. A generational curse. (laughs) A generational curse is kind of like a reverse spiritual legacy, right? I also think that that is the legacy that the enemy, that the devil, wants you to live out and to pass down. But let me set you free this morning. (laughs) Generational curses can be broken. The enemy might say that you are broken or you are destined to fail. But God says you are made new and you are created with a purpose. That is the truth. That is the truth. You don't believe me. Open this. Read it. You'll see it in the Gospels. You will see it. That is part of what was transforming the church of Jesus. You are not what you were. You are not what somebody says you are. No. You are chosen. You are not forsaken. You are a child of God. You are created with a purpose. You live in a time such as this. That's the truth. It's a choice. This is a a conversation that my mom and I had just last week. This was really part of what sparked the idea behind this whole sermon. It's a choice. It's looking at what you were handed. Maybe it's not looking so good. And choosing to say, I will not give this and it will no longer have a stronghold on me or my family or my family to come or their families to come. And I'm not saying that it happens like that. It's not quick. But you make that choice. You live as best of a godly life as you can. You invite the Holy Spirit into your situations. Little by little, day by day, you will see the transformative power of Jesus Christ at work. You will. Why do I know that? I know this because I am the product of the very thing. My mom and I, when we were talking, like I said, I think it was maybe last Sunday, we were like, trying to bounce ideas off of each other. What are we, what am I going to talk about? Do you have any idea? And I was like, honestly, no. What are you thinking? Do you have something that you want me to talk about? Like, you tell me, and then I'll run with it. And so that's what we did. And, and she said, you know, I really, I love this idea of legacy and, and talking about what does that look like and, and this whole conversation, she said, but I really want to talk about uh, the action behind it, the, the choice that we make, right? The choices that we make in creating the life that we want to live out for those to come, okay? So she's telling me this story um, that I've never heard in my entire life. I never knew this until a week ago, and I'm literally sitting with, like, my fork halfway to my mouth, just like, what? I never knew this, so I'm going to share this with you. So if you, aren't, if you don't know my mom super well, she is one of five children. Uh, she is the third, right in the middle, just about, right? So... Um, Her mother, my grandmother, got pregnant with her about a month after she'd had my aunt. Yeah, so all of the moms in the house audibly went, ooh, yeah. I don't know, but I feel like that would be a bummer. (laughs) Yeah, I'm assuming. Um, So she's got a one-year-old, which is the oldest, my uncle, 
Now she's got a newborn, my aunt. And then literally like a month and a week later, here comes Debbie. Um, unfortunately, that was not grandma's vibe at all. So not happy about that. Wasn't planned, doesn't know what to do, doesn't want the baby. Nope. Her first thoughts are, okay, well, I can't do this, so um, I don't want to have this child. I would like to abort this child. Now, hmm, there's a lot of things that we could talk about, uh, especially given the kind of atmosphere that we are in in the world today. I'm not going to say much. I'm just going to say one thing. I am so thankful that that did not happen. I would not be standing here if it weren't for that choice. And I understand there are a lot, a lot of unfathomable choices in that. One thing we don't know as humans, we don't know the future. You have no idea what is to come. But I'm really grateful that in that situation, in that circumstance, God said no. There is more. There is more to come. And praise God for that. The only thing, the number one thing that stopped her from making that choice, which is the honest truth, uh, her family, she was raised Catholic, and she thought, if I have an abortion, I'm going to be shamed. I'm meant to, it's a sin. I won't go to heaven if I do that. So now I have no choice. So imagine being a child and finding that out and being told, I didn't have you because I wanted you. I had it because I didn't want the shame that the church would have on me. I mean, that's a whole other topic in and of itself that I'm going to place right there and I'm not going to talk about or I might not ever be allowed on this stage again. <laughs> but educate yourselves. Um, so, she has the baby, thank God. Now my, my aunt and my mom, are, my, my grandma basically just like treated them like twins because they were so close in age. But one thing started to stand out to my mom, I'm assuming as you were growing up, a very, very, very obvious difference in the way that she was treated by her mother versus how her older sister was treated. They're both super talented. They were singers, they played instruments, they played sports, they were involved in a lot of activities, both of them. Mom was at all of her sister's recitals, games, whatever it was. She was not at my mom's. Maybe it didn't stand out as much like during those years, but eventually, I mean, you're gonna start to realize like, hmm, that's interesting. We both had recitals. You went to my sister's, you weren't at mine. And so it wasn't until years later, really until my mom's like graduating high school and, and then into her adult years that she has this, this conversation over multiple years, I'm sure, with her mother that, Debbie, I didn't, I never really wanted you, so I didn't really know how to, how to interact with you. I, I, I never had that connection. Okay, so they worked on it, and my grandfather were, were servants of the Lord and, and are, again, a part of, of the legacy that I have. 
but I'm going to be real with you today and tell you that no family's perfect, okay? And this is a great example of that. So my mom grows up having no relationship at all, really, with her own mother. Fast forward. She has her first child. My brother, not me. Boo. <laughs> Jimmy came first. I'm the baby. Um, so has my brother, I think maybe for the first time, realizes like, okay, now I kind of see where my mom was coming from because if I got pregnant right now, I would be big sad. So is, is kind of starting to rethink through this portion of her life. But other than that, it has really no major effect, no major stronghold on the way that she's able to mother her son. Seven years go by, like she said, they're trying to have another baby, it's not happening, it's not happening. Out of the blue, here I come. Not really planned. Wanted, but not necessarily at that point in life. Okay, now all of a sudden she's got the daughter. This is, I always wanted a daughter. I've got the son, now I have another, I mean one of each, this is great. But now this baby is totally different. This child is growing up completely different from my son. My son wants to be by my side, wants to be mommy's little helper, get his bow tie fitted for church. <laughs> I don't know if Jimmy's watching or if he's going to watch, but you're not here, so I can talk about that. <gasps> he loved to shop with mom. They had a great bond, a strong bond. And now here comes this little girl who is headstrong, confident, don't hold me, don't, don't touch me. I want to run around. I don't want anything to do with you. Totally different from her first, right? And over time, she's realizing, uh-oh, I don't really know. Something's different here. I don't really know how to connect with this one. She's not like the first. <laughs> Why aren't they the same? <laughs> I'm sure there's parents in the room that are like, yes. <laughs> and so slowly, she's starting to realize, I have no idea how to have a relationship with my daughter, because I didn't have a mom was who had a relationship with me. Boom, there it was. And it was not easy. And she's telling me all of this over like the dinner table, and I'm like, wow, this actually kind of makes a little bit of sense. Not that anything was wrong at all, but I could see now looking back at how she was actively fighting to try and figure out how to make this work because she has no idea how to connect to a daughter, how to have a mother-daughter relationship at all. Maybe that's you. Maybe not in that exact scenario, but maybe you're just starting out in a new season or a, a seemingly new situation, whatever it might be, that's unknown, and something might be pricking up in, in the back of your head that's like, I don't know how to do this because I never was shown it. I was never shown how to live a godly life. I did not come from parents who served God, who know God. This is all new to you or to me. That might be you. But I believe that it is time that we stop listening to the voices that want to destroy you and instead start living in the truth and in the freedom that is provided for you by Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, don't even do it just for you. Do it for those to come. Do it for the kids to come, the family to come, the relationships to come. What you came from does not mean 
It is what you are or what you must be. It's a choice, though. Don't let the enemy keep you there. Identify it and say no more. Godliness. It is godliness that is vital, vital when we are cultivating our spiritual legacy, right? Let's look at our second point. Be rooted in the word. There it is. Be rooted in the word. I feel like you or I, we are told this all the time. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. You're having a hard time? Maybe read the Bible. You're struggling? You're looking for answers? Try reading the Bible. We're told it all the time. So you might be thinking, okay, Jocelyn, I know you always tell us to read the Bible. We're never going to stop saying, look to the word of God. It is alive and it is active and I am promising you, I am promising you, it has the answers that you need, not the answers that you might want. Hello, Western civilization church culture. I am not here to give you what you want. That is not, that might be why some churches exist. It's not why real life exists. We give you what you need, and we find it right here. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says this, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen to that. Although in Erie, it's hard to believe this, winter does not last forever. <laughs> a week ago, I, you could have told me that and I would not believe you. But it's true. Winter does not last forever. Eventually, the snow's going to melt, right? The grass is going to grow. I think that like just happened on Wednesday. The flowers bloomed. Everything is in its season though, right? So it's going to be nice for a season, and then like it or not, living in the north, the snow will come back. It's a season. Nothing lasts forever. But Isaiah 40 tells us that the word of the Lord never withers and never dies. Interesting. So cultural patterns, they're going to come and go. What is relevant and trendy right now in the fashion industry, in the music industry? They are not going to be as popular in a couple, hopefully, months or years. <laughs> Amen to that. Eventually, the next hot new trend will come. That's just, that's just a part of the world that we live in, right? Everything is for a season. Even more so, our own self-created moral codes are going to vary from person to person, right? So that means my idea of right and wrong might be different than Tori's version of right and wrong or Lance's version of right and wrong. We're different people. We're not perfect. And we talked about this so much, too, during our, our choice series, you know, over the last two months. Good is not good enough, but what will bring sense and what will bring order to the chaos around us, it's going to be the unchanging word of God. 
every time. So more questions. Can I become a doctor by attending one day of medical school? The LECOM students in the house said, nope. <laughs> what about a lawyer? Can I be a lawyer just by going to like a week of law school? I mean, Reese Witherspoon did it, but not me. Okay, so in the same way, can I have a foundational knowledge of scripture just by opening my Bible once a month or less? Ouch. No, I can't. So we ask ourselves again, do we want to leave a spiritual legacy for our families, for our friends? We said yes, right? So plant yourself in scripture. Plant yourself in scripture. Look at how Jesus lived. Look at how learned from, interacted with people while he walked the earth. Learn from that. You know where you're not going to learn it? In the angry Facebook fight that you're in the middle of. You're not going to see Jesus there. You might think Jesus is in that conversation. I'm here to tell you it's not him, it's you. You're not going to find it, and I'm sorry, you're not going to find how to live a spiritual lifestyle to be a follower of Jesus solely from Fox News or solely from CNN or from whatever news outlet you watch. If you are a believer in Jesus, you are not going to find your answers there. It's a hard truth, but it is the truth. So live by the word of God. Allow it to permeate in your heart and in your spirit, and it will transform you from the inside out. So here's what I'm not saying, okay? I'm not saying be a follower of man, right? I'm saying be a follower of Jesus. And this might be the part where you might need to put on your seatbelt. If it hasn't already come, I don't really know. <laughs> Just hold on with me for a minute, okay? I'm going to get serious and I'm going to get real. Christian culture in Western civilization culture can look vastly different depending on who you are talking to, right? That's just a fact. No longer is a Christian is a Christian is a Christian. I'm sorry to say it, I was, but it's just not. Open your eyes. And as somebody that is a part of the younger generation, I'm sorry to say it, but I am a part of the younger generation of people, of human beings on this earth, I can tell you that there is less and less of a desire to have a relationship with Jesus because of the ways that Christians portray him. It's so sad that we are so tightly gripping on to an idea of Jesus and not at all to who Jesus really is, what he says in this book, in the Gospels, 
Who did Jesus surround himself with? The outcasts, the broken, the hurting, the unwanted. You wanted to find Jesus? He was not solely sitting with the people, the rich, the religious. No, that's not why Jesus came. So if that's true, okay, we know this, and we are considered followers of Jesus, what is our job as the church? To be surrounded by those people, to be reaching out to the lost, to the hurting, to the broken, to the ones that have no hope. Maybe they don't look like me. Maybe they don't talk like me. Maybe they don't have a financial stature that I have. Great, have that here on earth because you will not have it in eternity. I will not have those things. None of it matters. But the soul, the eternal life of a person without Jesus, that's going to follow me. And whether I am living up to the name or not, who did Jesus argue with in battle the most? Who questioned Jesus the most? Ugh, it fires me up every time. The religious, the Pharisees, right? The people that were so dedicated to tradition or to expectation that they completely missed the wonder of Jesus. God in flesh. What a sad, sad, sad truth to have walked, to have sat with the Lord and to sit there the whole time and go, ah, 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 mm-mm. They're dirty, they're poor, they're sick. Walk right by them. That's, that's real. Like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, read the Gospels. Everywhere that he went, he went right for the downcast. He brought sinners, some of the worst sinners, to redemption. Now, with action required, right? Go and what? Sin no more. We talked about this through the choice. It's not a, I'm sorry, Jesus, anyway, I'm going to keep doing. No, 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 it's, it's actually repenting. But those were the people that Jesus met with, spoke with. He had dinner at their houses. He didn't want to have dinner with whoever the like popular guy in politics was. That's how I feel these days when I talk about politics. I have no idea. Whoever the popular person is. That's not who Jesus was all that concerned about. No. He went after the one. He went after the one that was alone. So be a follower of Jesus. Look to scripture. Be rooted in the unchanging word of God. And let's do this together. Let's leave the world better because of it. This is our third and final How do we live a spiritual legacy? We stay on mission. Be on mission. 
This is going to flow perfectly with what we're talking about already. Matthew 5, verse 15 and 16 says this. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. There it is. That's the mission. I pray that we never forget this as believers, as followers of Jesus. Before we talk more about what the mission is, because I love to do this, let's clarify what it is not. It is not only being a Christian on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the location of 3902 West 38th Street. Okay, we know this. It's not just singing and raising our hands for 20 to 30 minutes, maybe, in the same pew, once a week. It's not. We don't just have to be followers of Jesus when we're in this building, right? And hopefully we're not. Maybe I'm preaching to the choir right now. That's awesome. But I think there's always room for improvement in our lives and how we can better ourselves in order to leave the circle around us better than how we found it. Our lives and our legacies, they impact so much more than just your family, just your circle. So what good is faith? What good is simply knowing the truth? Knowing the truth of God's words if we are not going to live it and share it with everyone that we know. I'm going to say it again. With everyone that we know, do we show Jesus to people by the way that we live? Similar, simple concept, maybe. But do not let it just fly over your head today. Take some time to look and to analyze at your life. Is Jesus visible in the way that you live? When I first started working at the church, I was part-time, so I worked here three days a week, and then I worked two days a week over at our daycare, just on the other side of the building, and loved it, loved the kids. Like I said earlier, I love being able to spend time with them and then send them home for as long as that will be possible for me. Uh, and I had such a great time. It was maybe for like a year, and... Um, had great conversations or great relationships with the people that I worked with, with the parents, but there was one parent, and I, I'm just going to be dead honest, mean, just the, the meanest, just cold, cold individual. They're a Christian. They don't come to real life. They never came to real life. They're involved in a, another church in town. They have no idea who I am. They have no idea that I'm a believer at the time. Have no idea that I work for the church, that I work for the Lord, that I am the child of the pastors here. I am just this young 21-year-old kid being paid to take care of their child while they go to work. That's how it felt, and that is how I was treated. And that is devastating. And as a 
believer, as a follower of Jesus, I made note of that moment. And I have no idea where they went on to, if it's something that they were made aware of. I would never be that person for somebody else. I have no idea what my coworkers, what the barista at my favorite coffee shop that I go to like four days a week, hello somebody, is going through. I do the best that I can to treat them. This is simple. Treat them the way that I want to be treated. <laughs> Have we heard that before? Yes. But how devastating is it that the person that left seven years later such a mark on my little life is a Christian? And I'm sure almost every single one of you in the room has had that experience. Maybe you yourself, maybe you are not a believer or maybe you are not actively serving the Lord. Maybe you have been burned by the capital C church or by a church or by a Christian, whether they're in your family or they're in your life circle or not. Maybe that's you. On behalf of them, I am so sorry because I don't know that God that they serve, but that is not the God that I serve. That's not the God that this church is foundation is on at all. That's not our mission. Here's more of what is. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, right? We're going to get there. We're going to read it together. Those are some of the most popular verses, right? I'm most, most commonly heard in wedding ceremonies, yes? So that is wonderful, and they are great words, I'm sure, to live by, in the context of marriage. Paul wrote these words to the church of Corinth on how to treat people. So knowing that and having that in mind, let's read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. You're going to see it on the screen. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Ouch. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, also ouch, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So knowing now the context in which this group of verses were written, take a second to consider your own life. Can you identify areas where you are excelling at living out these examples of love towards people in your life? I'm sure you can. But maybe more importantly, can you identify where they might be absent from your daily routine, from your daily interactions with people? See, I think that the best way, the best way that we can really understand what is being said here is if we replace the word love with Jesus. Jesus does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Jesus is not irritable 
or resentful, Jesus bears all things. But maybe let's do this. Because we're already down. Let's just do one more. Let's put our name in place of love. Jocelyn is patient and kind. Jocelyn does not envy or boast. Now, can I recite every line of that and say, yep, 10 out of 10, killing it? No, neither can you. That's okay. We're not perfect. We're not Jesus. But could we be doing a little bit better? Probably. You don't have to say yes. I'll say yes for you. (laughs) Yes. I could be more patient. I could be more kind. I could be a little less judgy. I could be every single one of these things. That's how we are going to live a spiritual legacy. Look to scripture. Look for your answers. They're right here. These words, they should be active in our lives each and every single day. Every single day is a new day. So say those words to you, you first thing in the morning. Today I'm going to be patient. Today I'm going to be kind. Today I am not going to boast. I am not going to make fun of people for their wrongdoings. Hello, somebody. Every day, it's a practice, it's a training. We train ourselves for these things. They all connect. Everything is connected. Everything has meaning, right? They work together. So let's finalize this. What is our final mission? Band, you guys can come on up. Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. Jesus gave them a clear direction on what their next steps were to be. When? After he was gone. What happened next after Jesus spoke this? He went back to heaven. This was his mic drop moment. He said, I've given you, I've equipped you with the knowledge that you need to spread the gospel to go and tell the nations about the good news. So go and do that. And I'll catch you on the other side. So it was said to those disciples thousands of years ago. And it is just as true today. And it has just as much of an importance, if not more, today in our lives. This is our mission. This is our legacy. Go into all the world. Share the good news of Jesus. Not my mantra, not what I think is right, not what you think is right. The truth to love people the way that Jesus loved them, to meet them where they are, Man, I could spend my whole life trying to live out all of the 
religion or all of the religious expectations and never show somebody Jesus. And that happens all the time, right now, actively. Or I can accept and identify the fact that until we are in eternity with God again himself, I accept that I have flaws and I have issues and I struggle and we all do. But if I can love people the way that Jesus loved people, loves people, it might not happen immediately. You might be in a situation or in a circumstance right now with a family member or with a loved one that you're saying, yes, Jocelyn, I got it. I'm doing all of these things. I've been doing all of these things. But my husband or my wife or my children, they still want nothing to do with God. What then? That might be you. It's not going to be an immediate change. You might not ever even see it come to pass. But you can equip yourself with a godly legacy. You can set in motion the truth of God's words in your life right now, today, in this moment. You never quit, you don't stop, you stay consistent, it might not happen immediately, but we trust in the Lord. We trust in what his word tells us, that we will stand in victory. Thank him even now for the victory that is to come in those lives. I watched my parents beg and plead God for their child for years, walked away from the church, hurt, burned, living completely separate from God in every way. I watched them for years ceaselessly seek God, never giving up, never saying, well, I mean, it's his bed, he decided to lie in it. No, believing that God had more, that God had a plan just when it looked like there was no chance, the breakthrough will come. So I can speak this to you, not from a pedestal, not from a place of not knowing devastation or knowing loss or knowing hurt. I'm telling you this because I've seen the victory in my own family, in my own life, and I know that there is still so much more, so much more to come for the people that I have yet to encounter. Shoot, for the husband that I have yet to find, the children that I have yet to have. <laughs> I speak it in Jesus' name. <laughs> but I'm not just living to live until God gives me those things. No. I don't forsake all of the teaching, all of the training that I've been given, waiting for God to answer. Nope. It's consistency. It's every single day saying, all right, God, same battle. I'm still not seeing a change, but I'm still gonna be on my knees before you, thanking you for the victory that is to come. You might not see it at all on the horizon, 
I know the God that we serve. I know my Jesus. And your victory is coming. So start to walk in it. Start to cultivate. Maybe you're thinking, oh, but it's too late. It's too late. My kids are grown. I'm, I'm old. I missed the chance. No way. Make a choice now. Because we don't know the future. My grandmother had no idea the legacy that was being set in motion by simply obeying. Maybe not even from a place of love, but God was not done. So God, therefore, is not done with you, with your circumstance, with your family, with your children, with your spouse. He is not done. I love this verse that we read in Matthew. Go therefore and make disciples. Because they did just that. They set the church ablaze. It did not die out. We do not read this and then read and then the church did not exist for thousands of years. No. Those men went and they went to work. And the gospel spread and it spread and it spread and the church of God remains strong and active and at work today just the way that it did thousands of years ago and I thank you Jesus I thank you Jesus for that so you in this room watching online you are a direct result I am a direct result of this decision in history this moment in history This is the legacy of Jesus. And now, it's your legacy. It's my legacy. If you choose to continue the work that God set out before you, how do we do that? We live and we lead by example. We stay rooted to the word never forget the mission. We never forget the mission. And watch the legacy that you begin to cultivate in your life dramatically change the course of your life, of your family's life, and their families to come. Can we pray together? And then we can go eat ice cream. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this moment. God, for the time that we have taken to set apart and to remind ourselves of who you are, the truth of who you are, that we have the truth of who we are in you and the purpose that we have in you, our Lord. I pray that these are not words that would simply roll off our backs but God, they would permeate in our spirits, constantly reminding us of the importance of living out a godly legacy for our families, for our children, for the people that we do life with each and every day. God, I lift up those that are here in the room, watching online, maybe listening to the podcast, I lift those up to you right now who might be in the fight of their life, 
for somebody that they love. They are begging for the victory, but the victory has yet to be seen. I pray that you meet them where they are right now. God, that these words that we have spoken, God, the words of your book, your truth, Lord, that they would wrap around them and bring comfort and bring peace to their souls. Confirmation that the work is still being done and that the victory will be won. God, hold on tightly to them as they walk through these valleys that they may be reminded that the victory on the mountaintop is just around the corner. Help us to remain steadfast. Help us to remain faithful when we are faithless. Direct us and guide us and lead us in your love. Lead us in your joy. God, in everything that we do, in the people that we encounter, God, help us to walk in your joy. God, help us to walk in your spirit that it would radiate off of us to the people that we meet. They might not even know what it is, but God, move and and speak and, and breathe life through us to every person that we come in contact with. God, I pray and I ask that you bring new people into our paths. God, that these words, they would, we would be given a, a practical challenge this week to put these things to the test, not just to hear it and receive it, but to do it. So God, bring those people, bring those people that are hurting, that are lost or confused. Bring them into our path, God, and help us to show them your love. That, Lord, little by little, day by day, the consistency and the love that we, we show towards them would reveal the glory and the goodness of the Father that has given it to us. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this time that we are able to have in your house. God, I thank you for every single person that is a part of this service today. Lord, for over our mothers, over our women, God, that they would feel so loved, so celebrated, so worthy of all of your love and more in this day. So go with us, be with us, we pray. In your name, amen and amen.